growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. If I say there is a God and someone else says there is no God, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. There is no in-between. There is no, well, that's true for you. That's good. No, it's either true or it's not. There either is a God or there is not a God. What do you believe about God? Obviously, that's an important question. Many people claim belief in the God revealed in the Bible. But is there a difference between intellectual belief and practical belief? Yes, I believe there is a God. But as John has pointed out over and over again, that's not enough. It's needed. There has to be an intellectual acknowledgement that something is true, but it's not enough. It has to somehow begin to affect my life or it's not really true in my life. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're getting close to the end of our series entitled Building on the Basics. It's a series designed to look at four basics of a relationship with God, faith, hope, love, and judgment. For over a year now, Pastor Clay has been taking us through what are known as the general epistles, or letters of the New Testament. Last week, we finished up the book of 1 John, where we've been discussing the basic of love and how to walk in it. Today, we're in 2 John, and we're still looking at the basic of love. Love is not really love unless it's built on truth, and if it's not built on truth, then that love is not really true. And if the love is not true, then I'm not really doing what God's asking me to do. As Pastor Clay showed us in 1 John, there is an important connection between truth and love. And that connection is just as evident in 2 John. In today's message, Pastor Clay is going to challenge us to ask a very important question. Does what I believe about God cause me to live in His love? This is an important message for those of us who perhaps struggle at times with fear, anxiety, and worry. We're so glad you've joined us today, so let's get to it. Here's Pastor Clay with today's message concerning truth or consequences. Today, we are in, say it, 2 John, or if you happen to be, uh, I don't know if it's just the British or the Europeans in general say this. How do they say it? John, yeah, to John, right, Steve, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not, to John, so, that, so that's where we are uh, today, now here's one of the things that you're going to notice, and just, we're going to read the text in just a moment, here's one of the, the things that you'll notice, if you have been with us through this study in 1 John, you're going to realize this sounds a whole lot like, 2 John sounds a whole lot like 1 John, only in more of a condensed form. It's, it, it's not as lengthy, it's, it's, it's not as deep, and, and it has much more of a, a personal uh, approach to it, uh, as you'll see in just a moment. But you'll find that these, these truths that John has been hammering on in 1 John, he, he, he says them again in 2 John, just in, in a shorter uh, version. Uh, if, if I could take uh, what John says in 2 John and, and condense it, and that's what I tried to do, condense it into... Uh, really two themes, two ideas, uh, it would look like this this morning. Truth or consequences? The choice really uh, is yours this morning. Second John, just one chapter. We're going to read the entire book of Second John in one, in one sitting today. The entire book of Second John. Are you ready? Got your Bible open? Maybe you got an electronic version, an iPad, a, on your phone, maybe old school like your pastor does, actually print. And what is this thing? This is strange. (laughs) 
I tell people from time to time, my wife knows this, because we've been doing this a while. But, uh, you know, one of the things, I love technology, I really do. I'm not the most techie, savvy guy in the world. I try and keep up with it enough to at least not kill myself or get lost in middle of nowhere or something. But, but I'm not the most techie guy in the world. But I, I tell you something, I miss the rustle of pages turning in, a, in, in an auditorium. You used to hear that. You used to hear in a church where the Word of God was taught, you would hear those pages. Come on, somebody do it. I hear somebody doing it. Yeah. Ah, oh, ah, oh, y'all are making me feel good. Thank you for that. Second John, you ready? The excitement is good stuff. John, this stuff in John is good stuff. The second letter of John, the elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us, and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now, I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. And the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I may have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Truth or consequence. We're going to start with this part of the equation this morning. Truth, walk in it. I'm not going to re-read, reread verses 1 through 6 at this point. Just, I just read it. But truth, walk in it. Now, if you watched the bump video just a few moments ago, or you've, or you've been watching it for over the weeks that it's been playing, uh, you may uh, recognize that this part of our, our series, Building on the Basic, Basics, has been entitled uh, Love, Walk in It. But as I have said several times, and as John has made abundantly clear throughout his first letter... That love is not really love unless it's based on what? Truth. That love is not really love unless it's, unless it's based on, built on truth. And if it's not built on truth, then that love is not really true. And if the love is not true, then I can't really walk in something that's not true. I'm not really, I'm not doing what, what God's asking me to do in this. So it has to be, so this love begins with this principle of walking in this truth that he's talking, talking about all through 1 John, and now he brings up 
in 2 John. John introduces himself simply as the elder. Uh, He may have used that term because he was old. (laughs) At this point, John was was, would have been fairly old, and uh, it could have been a, a term of, uh, of simply acknowledging that fact, and not, uh, that could be. But more, but more likely, it, he's recognizing, he's reminding them that he is the elder. He is the, in this case, it's got a definite article, but he is the presbyteros. He is a presbyteros. He is an elder of the church. He's a pastor. He's a leader of the church. But you may have noticed this. He doesn't seem to think it's significant to, uh, to use his official title, if you will, as the apostle John. Although he certainly is, he's the last of the original apostles, but he, he doesn't use this term because it, it, it's got more of a personal flavor to it. Although he is the elder. Whoever John is writing to, and we'll get to that in just a second, whoever John is writing to, they clearly understand, understood exactly who this was by the term the elder. It carried some significance to them, and that was all the title that John needed to give to this person. The text says that he's writing to the chosen lady and her children. Right? Y'all read that just a second ago? Now, uh, just as a matter of information, uh, it has been discussed and debated uh, because preachers have nothing better to do than sit around and discuss and debate things like this. Uh, has been discussed and debated and tossed around as whether this, this chosen lady was an actual person, a, a female a believer in Jesus Christ and her literal children. Is that, is that who John is writing to? Or it has been suggested that it is a, uh, an analogy, that he uses this phrase as an analogy, if you will, for a local church that John is writing to, and the believers were the children of that local church. Or perhaps uh, some have suggested that he's referring really to the church universal, to all believers everywhere as the chosen lady, and, uh, and then all believers would be the children. You probably don't care. And in this particular case, it doesn't affect the application. Now, sometimes it does. I mean, it's important to know who's being written to, who's writing, all that kind of stuff. But in this particular case, it doesn't really change the, the intended meaning of the text. Because uh, whoever John is writing to, he is speaking to them about, about uh, themes and ideas that are very dear to his heart, that clearly God has impressed upon his heart. If you did a quick count as you went through there, you would have seen that five times he uses the word truth, Four times he uses the word love. Four times he uses the word commandment. And three times he uses the word walk, all within 13 verses. Clearly, these are themes that are important to John. Clearly, these are, this is an idea that God has laid upon John's heart to communicate truth to people. And, and listen, I, I can tell you this, this as a pastor. I, I know that burden. To be absolutely uh, just transparent with you. It is a burden, it is a weight that I carry with me most days of my life. The, the, the need, the, the priority, the responsibility to, to communicate truth to you in your lives. 
to communicate this truth that, that is applicable to your lives. You see, here's what you need to understand. Truth, you have a need to understand that, that truth is not something that you just need intellectually, but truth is something that you need practically. I, I think I put a statement up here that says something to that effect. To understand truth on an intellectual level and to understand truth on a practical level. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, truth is truth. The, the knowledge of truth is truth no, no matter what, right? If it's true, it's true and it doesn't change. For, for instance, if, uh, if someone says, I, I, I don't believe in the law of gravity. I think I've used this example before. If I don't believe in the law of gravity, I just don't believe it, I don't believe it's the truth. I, that's, what, that's what they're teaching me in school and all that stuff. The, Isaac Newton had somebody had something to do with it or uh, somebody did, but I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe in, in, in this, this law of gravity they say is truth. And if that person uh, goes up, uh, climbs the Empire State Building, jumps off the Empire State Building, uh, I mean, genuinely believing that gravity does not apply to them or, or, or gravity is not real, more than likely, the last thought to go through their brain besides, wow, that concrete looks hard. <laughs> besides that, will probably be, I guess I was wrong about that one, right? They may have genuinely believed, they may have had this intellectual belief that, that, this, that this is not true. My truth is that there is no gravity. But it didn't change the reality that, that, it, cha- that, it, is, that it is true, right? You understand? On a spiritual level, if I say there is a God and someone else says there is no God, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. There, there is no in-between. There is no, you know, well, well if that, that, that's true. And you hear this. You know, you, people actually try and rationalize this. Well, that's true for you. That's good. No, it's either true or it's not. There either is a God or there is not a God. And, and, and our belief systems do not change that truth. And so... I certainly, since I believe that it is true, since I believe there is a God, I certainly want to communicate that truth uh, on an intellectual level to a person so that they can come to, to examine the evidence, the empirical evidence, so that they can see the, ra- the rational uh, ideas behind the fact that, that it just makes sense with, with, the, with the complexity of the universe and the design and the systems and, and, uh, and the miraculous event, with all this, that it just... That it, it, I want them to understand that so that they can, see the, they can see the evidence and they can come to that truth intellectually. Yes, I, I, I didn't, but I believe there is a God. But as John has pointed out over and over again in his word, that's not enough. It, it's needed. There has to be an intellectual acknowledgement that something is true, but it's not enough. Over and over again, John says this has to somehow move from here to hear, it has to somehow begin to affect my life, or it's it's not really true in my life. Now it may be true, but it's not affecting my life. Do you understand? In other words, there's another little ditty I think I had. Truth should affect belief and behavior. It has to do both in in this case of this belief in God. All right, we have talked a lot 
about uh, this love of God toward others, right? That is, a, that is a horse that we have ridden for weeks. John brings it up over and over and over again, this love, this love of God, how it applies, how we should love each other. And I suspect uh, some of you are tired of hearing it, and I suspect most of us think that we probably understand it. Uh, I probably also think that we probably don't understand it as fully or as completely as we should. But let me kind of change gears on us for just a moment. Let me, let me, let me look at it another way, if we've got this, this love, right? Because, because here's, here's this truth. It's, it, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. They're, they're inseparable. They, they, they go together like salt and pepper, like peanut butter and jelly, right? Like Starsky and Hutch. You, just, you, can't, you can't separate them. The two sides of the same coin. And, and the truth that, that John is talking about here is love and life. Love and life. Love and live. To, to live in the reality of the love. What does that look like for my life? Like I said, we're talking a lot about how to love people, love people, love people. Turn it around. What about the idea of God's love in my life? Do you live in the reality of God's love in your life? Not just intellectually, but practically. You understand what I'm saying? Look at verse 4. See what it says. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we've received a commandment from uh, commandment to do from the Father. A couple of ideas to point out just in, in verse 4. One, uh, the idea of, of walking in, in truth is a commandment from God. It's, it's not a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, well, you ought to try this. It, it, we, we need to remember that, that God is commanding us to walk in His truth. Okay? Second idea just, just from this verse is the fact that John says, uh, go back to that if you will, please, Tyler. Go back to that verse is that John, John says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking. Uh, I, I, the, the Greek text reads, rejoiced exceedingly. He rejoiced exceedingly to hear that some of this chosen lady's children were walking into it. Listen, you hear what he's saying? Not just believe in truth, not just receive truth. They're doing what with truth? They're walking in truth. In other words, it's a part of their life. They're, they're living it out. Again, as a pastor, I can just, I can, I just bless, I know exactly what he's saying when he says he rejoiced exceedingly in this. Because I can tell you this, uh, I, it just blesses my heart when I hear of somebody that's just, just growing in the Lord and, th- and can see how God's working or a marriage that's succeeding or a victory that's being accomplished or all that kind of stuff. It just blesses my heart to see that. Listen, I need, to hear the, I need to hear the hard stuff. I need to hear the struggles and, and the hurts and the, and the trials and the, the failures. I need to hear all that stuff as a pastor because, because, I can't, because it's my calling and because I can't help in a situation if I, if I don't know what a situation is. But I know exactly what John means when he says, man, I, I just rejoice exceedingly because I've heard that, that some of the folks, they're, they're, they're getting this thing. They're, they're, they're walking in this truth. It, it blesses my heart. It does when I hear that. So, so tell me the good times too, okay? When, when you get in victory, I love to, to hear about it. Okay, now Tyler, bring that next slide up that you had. Here's the question. What does it mean to walk in truth practically speaking? What, is that, what does that really look like to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in this truth? Well, John says, walk in the truth. What does that look like practically speaking to walk in truth? Because um, I, I think... 
as I said a moment ago, we have our struggles, right? Is there anybody that doesn't have their struggles in life? Hardships, ups and downs, good, defeated. I am of the belief that a significant number of people do not necessarily walk in the truth of God's love in their life on a daily basis. We know it up here, right? We know we're supposed to have victory. We know we're supposed to have joy. We know we're supposed to have contentment. We know we're supposed to have fulfillment and, and you know, all this stuff we know we're supposed to have. But when, but when it gets down to the nitty-gritty of our life and the daily actions, many people are struggling with, with the anger or bitterness or disillusionment or heartache or sorrow or trials or fear or uh, whatever, right? Right? Come on. We're being transparent, right? Now, I should, speaking transparent, I should say this, that, that people's frailties, people's difficulties, people's trials are not always easy to spot because we are notoriously famous for putting on our, our church face, right? Y'all know what I'm saying? Our, our Jesus face, right? And coming in, y'all, y'all probably never done this. Maybe I'm the only one that's probably ever done this. Coming, ah, I'm doing great, brother. Praise Jesus. How are you doing? Right? But inside, deep down inside, where most people don't let many people in very often, a lot of people are hurting, scared, defeated with their lives. If you could strip everything away and ask yourself one basic question. I mean, I mean, put away the, the image projector and the image protector, uh, strip everything away and got real honest with yourself and you ask yourself this question, do I live, now forget about anybody else, do I live in the reality of God's love? Because I think a lot of people don't. We know it up here, but in the everyday stuff of life, oftentimes people are, are feeling defeated. I, uh, I read this book uh, a while back uh, from a, a not-so-famous author. Maybe you've heard of the book. Uh, it's entitled, I Get It. Dis- y- y'all hear, I don't know if y'all heard of that book, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of... Anyway, the, in, in this uh, book by this not-so-well-known author, this book that's available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, iBooks, and Zulon Press. I, I just happened to... Notice that somewhere. In this book, the not-so-well-known author uh, made a statement that I think is very true about people and their lives. Listen, here's what he said. The truth is, the truth is, that was kind of cool with that in the background. The truth is, many people go to church, sing the songs, maybe even lift their hands in praise. They pray the prayers, listen to the message, nod in agreement, voice their amens, and talk at lunch about how good church was today. Y'all ever done that? Then Monday comes and they go back to their daily lives where God's promises of power and peace and joy and contentment seem like nothing more than a spiritual pipe dream. To most people, the promises of God sound great in theory, look great on paper, but are so far removed from their real world, real life experience that they can't even imagine what it would be like to actually live in those promises on a daily basis. I think that's where a lot of people are. Maybe that's where you are. I don't know. Truth, walk in it. What it, one of the things, the purpose of this author in this book is that he's trying to help people understand what that looks like. If, if, 
if my life, if I'm stressed out, if I'm worried, if I'm anxious, if I'm defeated, if I'm depressed, if I'm uh, scared, if I'm anxious, you know, all these, if, if I'm all of these things, and, and the truth is I'm not supposed to have those things in my life. Because listen, I know, I know we went by it pretty fast, but in verse 2 and 3 that we read earlier, did, did you notice in verses 2 and 3 of first John, or Second John, did you notice where he said, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Watch this, grace Mercy and peace will be with us. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. Would you say that line out loud with me, please? Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. There's that connection again. You see, listen to me. Grace, mercy, and peace are not intended. You do understand this, right? They are not intended to be just some... some poetical pleasantry. They're not intended to be just some, some practical platitude to open or close a book. God's intention is that you live in grace, mercy, and peace every day of your life. Every day. Here's what it looks like from this not-so-well-known author. He says this. Uh, so what does it look like when you get it? Let me introduce you to Gene. Back when I worked for the post office, I would sometimes deliver mail to Jean. When I knew her, uh, Jean was perhaps in her uh, 50s or 60s, but as a young girl, she had contracted a disease that over time left her legs and hands disfigured and without function and often with a great deal of pain. Jean lived alone in a little wooden house on a dead-end street behind a grocery store. She spent her days in a hospital-type bed inside a bedroom, maybe six by eight feet at best, with a small window above her bed. Someone would come in for part of the day and prepare meals for Jean and do the things that uh, had to be done for her. But basically, Jean's days were spent in that little bed, inside that little room, inside that little house, on that little dead-end street behind the grocery store. None of us, and I mean none of us, would want Jean's circumstances. Nobody in his or her right mind would ask to go through what Jean had to go through every single day of her life. But every one of us would be better off if we had Jean's outlook on life. I have rarely, if ever, met someone as joyous, as content, and as full of life as Jean. She loved to smile, she loved to laugh, and Jean loved to talk about Jesus. She always had words of encouragement for those who came to visit her, and she never talked about her trials or circumstances. If you went to visit Jean, you might think you were blessing her, and no doubt she appreciated the visit, but you always left Jean's house knowing that you were the one who had really been blessed. Almost every day after school, neighborhood children would go over to Jean's house. She had someone put cookies out before the children got there. And all the kids would cram into that little bedroom, and Jean would read them Bible stories and ask them about their day. She would laugh and smile and tell each of them how special they were and how much God loved them. I have no doubt that Jean lived with a fair amount of pain on a daily basis, but you would never know it being around her. There was a joy, a peace, and a contentment to Jean's life that defies logic. How could anybody enjoy a life trapped in such circumstances? How could anybody smile and laugh in the face of such adversity? Was Jean delusional? Was she living in denial? Or could it be something else? Is it possible 
that Jean was actually living in the reality of God's promises. Promises that aren't tied to life situations or our circumstances, but are able to meet us right smack dab in the middle of them and give us victory over whatever life throws at us. Jean's body may have been trapped in that room, but her life certainly wasn't. Jean got it. Her life had meaning and purpose. Her life was productive. She lived in the presence and with the peace and power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. She had a ministry that touched hundreds, if not thousands of lives through the years. She laughed, she loved, and she lived. That's that's what it means to walk in love. Regardless of the circumstances, to have victory in our lives as a result of what God has done for us. You see, it's not just knowing it up here. It's knowing it here so that it applies here. So that it applies to every day of my life in every circumstance and every trial of my life. That's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. That's the truth. And you and I can walk in it. I'll, I'll tie this together. Let me bring in the second one and we'll, we'll tie it together at, at the end. Let's get to the consequence. Watch out for it. The consequence? Watch out for it. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, this is the deceiver. This is the Antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what you have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. You and I uh, probably grew up, most of us grew up with an understanding that we should always tell the truth, Right? Right? Is that your parents or grandparents or teachers or, or somebody? Did it? Somebody else, some of us grew up with teachers who used to just wear our behinds out. Y'all remember those days? Those days aren't anymore. Teachers can't do that anymore. Bless their hearts. But, but they, would, they would teach us truth, right? And they would teach us to tell the truth. And, and what would your parents say? If you don't tell the truth, there will be a consequence. There, there was a consequence for, for telling a lie and not telling the truth. But did you ever think about the fact that it, that it works the other way as well? That if I, re, if I receive a lie, if I believe a lie and, and essentially reject the truth, there's a consequence for, for, for buying the lie and essentially rejecting the truth. Now, just for the record, John is not, when he's talking about losing here, he's not talking about losing uh, salvation, that's not, what it, that's not being discussed here. That's not a biblical concept, I, I do not believe, but it's, that's not what's being talked about here. But he is talking about loss. And you can think about it even in your daily life, on a daily basis. If you do not live, and listen, I, I say this all the time, but just, clear, just so we're all on the same page. We're not talking about every moment, every day, getting it perfect all the time. But to live consistently with joy, peace, contentment, purpose, uh, uh, security, love to live in that on a continual basis. If you're not living in that, then it's being, then it's being stolen from you. John says many, many have gone out spreading the lie. This is con- common. He talked about this throughout his letter, right? He said this a lot. The false teachers. And they're, they're, they're selling a Jesus that is less than the Jesus revealed in Scripture. Right? That is the essence of Antichrist. They're, they're making another Christ or against, they're essentially against the Christ that's revealed in Scripture. Right? 
So they're changing the Christ. Well, in essence, that's what happens to us when we believe the lie that says, oh, you, you, you need to be worried, you need to be anxious, you need to be stressed out, you need to be whatever, because they're, they're selling you, the enemy is selling you less than the Christ who says, peace I give unto you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Right? You know what he says? Something like that. So there's a consequence if I, if I, uh, if I essentially buy the lie. No extra charge for the loss. And certainly peace and contentment and purpose and meaning and, and uh, joy and all those. Certainly that's, that would, those are rewards. Those are blessings that God gives to his children. And so if I'm, if I'm not experiencing that in my life, then that certainly would be part of the loss of the rewards. Right? That would be part of the loss that I'm experiencing here. Now, does John probably also have some loss of e- some eternal rewards? Could he be talking about here? Probably. Because God desires in this life and in the life to come. He desires to reward his children for, for walking in truth, believing him, uh, and experiencing that truth in their lives. But how easy it is to let it get stolen from us, right? Because our circumstances, our trials, our, our heartaches, our hardships, our whatever, right? That's coming. That's happening. John says there's a consequence. that you're gonna, you, you lose. We lose. I, I lose if I, if I buy the lie and not up here, right? Now, none of us buy it up here, right? Every one, every one of us right, would say, oh, yeah, Jesus, God's got this, right? Whatever, whatever trial, whatever circumstance you're facing right now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you would say, and you'd, you'd amen it, right? Oh, God's, God's got this, right? Do you live like God's got it? Do I live like God's really got this? And that I don't have to be anxious or fearful about Meeting new people at a new school or uh, changing jobs or uh, whatever. You can fill in the blank for your own personal life. You, you know the stuff that's for you, for you, right? You know that stuff. And he says there's another way. Okay, what, what, what does it take if, if, I, if I want to walk in the truth? I want to reject the lie so I don't experience those consequences in my life of loss. What do I got to do? To get there. Now, it's not in your notes. It's just something I just felt impressed last night as I was going over my message to, to add. But I want to I give to you just kind of at, at the end. Um, well, let's just start with it. Here's the first one. Here's what you got to do. You got to receive the truth that God wants you to live an abundant life here and now where his promises are experienced on a daily basis. You have to receive that truth. Not just here in here, in the essence of who you are and, and what causes you to live your life, you have to receive the fact, hey, God wants me to live an abundant life here and now. We talked about that a, a couple weeks ago. It's not just then, it's here and now. God has this life that he wants me to live. And I have to receive that. I have to say, and I, I'll say this and it'll apply to the other things too, but I encourage you, whenever you can, speak it out loud. There's, there's, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I think there's something about speaking things out loud that carries weight to it. Speak it out loud and say, God, I receive what you want me to have. God, I'm going to walk in your truth, which means that, that this love that is based on truth is going to affect my life. It has to affect my life. I have to have your peace and your contentment and your joy and your purpose and your meaning. and your. So, God, I'm going to receive that. I'll receive it. Second, Reject the lies of the enemy that bring the consequence of the loss of God's rewards now and in eternity. You've got to reject it. Again, say, it, no, I will not. You're right? Because you what, do you, what do you have to do 
for bad thoughts, bad stuff, bad... What do you have to do for those things to come into your mind? Right? Zip. Nada. They just, they, they just jumping all up in your business. Right? Oh, you know, you know this can happen. Or you know uh, so-and-so at work, hey, they, 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 they didn't say good morning to you. They're probably plotting a coup. Right? Because that's our minds. We're just like, I was just going for lunch. And next thing I knew, I... Right? That, that's, we, and you don't have to do anything. You just jump on that. So you, you have to just say, no, I reject the lies of the enemy that are trying to steal the, these, these promises of God, trying to steal God's truth. I reject it in my life. And, and Satan, I will not receive it. That's not what God's word said. I mean, you, you got to do this. Third, you have to replace your thoughts and feelings with his truth and power. Because... Just honestly, for all of us, our thoughts and our feelings, this is not good English, but they usually ain't good, right? They're usually, again, taking us somewhere that's, that's not healthy, that's not gaining victory in our lives. So you have to replace those thoughts with God's truth. I encourage you, the more you know this, the more you can use this. The more familiar you are with it, where things are, places, certain passages of Scripture, or, or just, you've you got to use it. We'll look at some of those hopefully in just a minute. But you've got to, you got to replace what, what the enemy is throwing at you that, that are part of your thoughts and your feelings. Well, I, I just feel like, what does God say? You understand? Replace it. You've you got you to replace it. And then fourth... <clears throat> Rejoice in God's truth as you live in his love, free from fear, doubt, anxiety, and the rest of the consequences of life. Again, uh, receiving truth, rejecting lie, doesn't mean that there won't be trial, doesn't mean there won't be circumstances, doesn't mean that, that, that uh, fear and depression and whatever else, doesn't mean that it's not waiting to jump, uh, again, all up in our stuff. It's there, and, and that, that will happen in our life. But we have to, if we take these steps, we come to that place where we can re- just, no, I'm rejoicing, I, I'm I'm living in the reality of God's uh, truth that's coming uh, to me and I'm rejecting the, the lie so I don't have to experience those consequences and I can just rejoice in what God is doing in my life. And rejoice, I mean just rejoice in it. Y'all know what it means to rejoice? Be, to be glad, to be happy, to be... <laughs> right? Y'all ever feel that way? Y'all ever just go around the house and go... <laughs> Y'all try it sometimes. Y'all never do it. Oh, I... Uh, no. and, and listen, I don't, I don't mean, I know I got to close it. I don't mean that something that you're, that's put on your manufacturing or I feel like a fake or whatever. It's based on taking those other steps, accepting God's truth, applying God's truth to my life, rejecting the lie so that this, this joy of the Lord comes into my life and I can actually live in that. Okay, so if, if you take those four steps and you practice them on a continual basis, Yes, heavy trials, light trials, good times, bad times. All that stuff's coming, but living in the reality, living like Gene lived, living in in that reality instead of the lie on a daily basis, here's what happens if you do that, and this is important. One, you're going to bring glory to God. That's a big deal. It's something you want to do with your life. You want to bring glory to God with your life. Whatever all that may mean and encompass, it's, it's... if you get it right, if you live in truth and not in a lie, you're bringing glory to God. And that's a good place to be in your life. Thank you. Second, bring, you'll bring yourself the life you really want. Because that is really the life you want, right? Do, uh, now, I'll say it again. 
nobody, and I mean no, I mean, I'll quote the unknown author again. Nobody, and I mean nobody, would want Gene's circumstances. Nobody would sign up for this field trip. But I guarantee you, everybody is looking to have the life she had. If you knew her, if you saw it, and you've, you've probably met people like that. They just exude the joy of the Lord. It's just evident in their life. It, they, you, you just see it. It, it. Isn't that the life, ultimately, that everybody is looking for? I'm telling you, it's the life everybody's looking for. And, and, and if they don't know God, if they don't know about they're, then they're looking everywhere. They're climbing the corporate ladder, or they're looking for another relationship, or they're, or, or they're whatever. However it is they're doing it, this, this, John says, this is how you bring yourself the life you really want. You live, you walk in the truth. <clears throat> Not just in loving others, but in the way God loves you. You accept it. and You move it from here to here. And then the last one. You bring others the hope that they can have that life as well. Again, I'm not telling you to be fake. I'm telling you to begin to practice this so you can experience it in your life. And if you do, I promise you people will begin to notice. Especially if you've been... At the other extreme, you know, where you feel defeated, you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel stressed out, you feel, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you begin to apply this truth to your life. You walk in this truth. And people, at some point, I promise you, somebody's going to say, wow, what? I, I, what are you smoking? That's, it's, 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 it's working. And you say, it's, um, I'm not smoking anything, man. I'm just, I'm just walking with Jesus. It's, that sounds kind of evangelistic. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you live in this stuff, and, and other people honestly can look at your life. And I know we don't like this. I'm going to say it. I know we don't like this, but here it comes. The worse the trial, oh my gosh, I, don't need, I don't need more. The worse the trial, and the greater our ability to walk in the truth and experience this joy and contentment and peace, the greater flashing neon sign you are for Jesus. Because when people know you and they know your life and they know what you're going through and they say, wow, man, they're going through this or, or, or their spouse did that to them or this is happening in their life or they lost their job or that corporation did that to them or they're struggling with, with this disease or this sickness and they see it in your life. I'm telling you, everybody wants that kind of life. And if they see it in us, I just am of the belief that God can use that to draw them and say, wow, what, what do they have? What do they have? Okay. All right. Uh, let me um, let, let me just close with uh, with John fourteen. I want you to see this John fourteen <clears throat> one through six. I think it is <clears throat> from the New Living. Jesus says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." The lie says, "Be troubled." The lie says, "Worry." The lie says, "Get stressed out." The lie says, uh, y- "You know, whatever." Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Shall I translate that for you? Walk in my truth. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the, the way where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. With all the stuff of your lives, and I, and I don't mean to minimize or downplay how you guys feel and the hurt and how I feel at times in our life and defeated and, and uncertain and scared and, and all of those things that we experience in life. And I, I don't mean to minimize it. 
But if this is truth, if he is the truth, then then what have I possibly got to sweat down here if I know what he's doing in my life now and promises for my life in the future? Truth or there's consequences? What do you choose for your life? Truth or consequences. That's really what John is saying. If we really believe the truth of God's word, then living in God's love should be a reality for us. And things like worry, doubt, fear, anxiousness, anger, those types of things should be the exception, not the rule. In other words, this side of heaven, we may struggle at times with our faith being practical in our lives. But if we truly believe and understand God's love for us, then we should live daily in the power, peace, and purposes of God. As Pastor Clay reminded us in today's message, truth should affect belief and behavior. So, what do you really believe? We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.